When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're starting Blood of Olympus, the fifth and final book of Heroes of Olympus, with chapters one through eight. I have a note here because this cracked me up. I asked on for questions for this book on Instagram and my favorite response was someone saying, not gonna lie, I forgot everything that happened in that (laughs) book. And I'm like, same, except for all I remember is that Nico and Reyna are cool and Percy gets a nosebleed. (laughs) It's super funny because I know you say that, but I did not remember that Nico and Reyna were cool until I did these chapters. I forgot that Reyna had a point of view. And I forgot mm. that she's super cool. I she's so cool. Read this freshman year where, like, you know, a lot of core memories were being built, regardless. So it was lost underneath. <laughs> well, I yeah, but I could not tell you the overarching plot of this no. one. To be honest, I, I couldn't tell you how they defeat if they even defeat. Gaia at all. I mean, we know they have to, but also, in like, way, Mother Earth. Yeah, they have to do something. Like, either love her. I Put like her to sleep. Pop. Yeah, like, sing the lullaby. Like, Piper just sings yeah. a lullaby with Charm Speak, and she's gone. They could have done Are that they... four books ago. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Percy's like, I went to Tartarus for this. <laughs> for you to sing a fucking lullaby? Alternate ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to summarize... Erin's uh, going to be reading Jason, I Get Reyna, and Jason's going to face his mother. And some of the, I think, more interesting Jason chapters. I agree, yeah. And then Reyna thinks about adoption. And <laughs> some of the coolest chapters I've read in the sense of, like, really describing her character. So I'm excited to get into it. Yes. I feel like these are good. These are good ones to start off this book that we know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> we know things about it. Just, yeah. you know, it's a little... Murky. Uh, Frazzle. Yeah, murky. That's the word. All right, so Jason, chapters one through four. This book is off to a relatable start with Jason's opening line being, Jason hated being old, which at first I was offended by. So I was like, you're 16, like try being in your late 20s. It just gets worse, Jason. But then I realized it was because he's literally disguised as an old man and he's like cosplaying an old man right now and Hazel's magic is making him old so I was like okay I guess I guess that's fair (laughs) it's so funny because it's all relative when we're doing things like this here um I feel old in every situation and anytime (laughs) I go into like professional work or like Mm. even to go get a freaking facial they're like oh you're so young and I'm like am I I don't feel young I'm like, my body doesn't feel young, but no. like, yeah, at work, like recently, I'm, I got a new job, listeners, and I work with college students now, and a group of freshmen, like, were asking me, like, 
I was talking about how like when I graduated college and they were like, oh my God, you don't go here. You look like you go here. And I was like, thank you. But also, do I? Thanks, I guess. Skincare is working. It is. It really is. I think it's or, just like the, the the confusion in our eyes matches theirs, yeah. but for different reasons. It's the fact that I'm like five feet tall, and, and that also does not help. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I dress old yet. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so Jason in his disguise of an old man is climbing up a hill alongside Piper and Annabeth, who are both disguised as Greek serving maidens in white sleeveless gowns. And Jason's kind of like, "What? They get to look cute. I have to look like an old man," <laughs> which is fair—a fair complaint. It's like when you show up to the Halloween party in like an ugly costume and everyone else is hot (laughs) i feel like we actively choose to do that though yeah i think i do that to myself yeah now yeah Mm -hmm. so jason is disguised as a suitor they're in ithaca the noble home of odysseus the place odysseus like talked about for 20 years of the whole odyssey despite you know having multiple affairs and like really making me doubt if he really did want to come home but they're on this mission thanks to the witchy girls Piper and Hazel because Piper saw a vision of the ruins of Ithaca and her blade and Hazel sensed the largest gathering of evil spirits ever. So naturally they had to go to Ithaca. And so here there's a horde of evil spirits that are gathered to await Gaia's orders and their plan is to sneak among them and learn what's going on. We basically learn that like where we left them off at the last book, they're kind of, they have the same amount of knowledge right now. Like they don't know what they're doing. Their plan is like, let's go find the monsters and try to figure out what Gaia's plan is so that we know what to do because the gods are useless and not giving us any direction. So they're just kind of winging it. Their plan is just like, well, we'll just go to them and (laughs) put costumes on and hope that they don't recognize us. I feel like the reason I liked House of Hades and Mark of Athena a little bit better is it's a clear, like, this is what we're doing. This is how it needs to happen thing going on. Son of Neptune, too. Yeah. Had a clear. Lost Hero. And I feel like the beginning and a lot of this is like... We just kind of wing it and like hope we land. I mean, obviously, it could be because of the prophecy. They're going to end up where they need to end up. But yes, still, it's kind of frustrating. Honestly, because of the prophecy, they could just sit back. <laughs> they just end up there, right? Yeah, they're in theory, yeah. Yeah. So with the help of Hazel's magic, Jason is disguised as one of Penelope, who is Odysseus's wife, suitors. The suitors are actually who all the ghosts are here. They're back to haunt the place that they died. I'll set a note here about the suitors because I was like, you know, when I first read the Odyssey, I was like, yeah, Odysseus, murder those suitors. They deserve it for trying to get to your wife. But now I'm kind of like, that is some, like, he had to come home and murder all of them just because they wanted to be with his wife. Like, she, Penelope should have been able to murder them. It just feels like a lot of toxic masculinity. I think I just want to hate on Odysseus. I mean, I think that's valid. I think he deserves a lot more hate than he gets. I think so, too. Yeah. So as they approach the ghost, Jason finds himself thinking of his mother and how she left him. (laughs) A memory that as he's just, like, approaching these ghosts and he's like, you know what I... (laughs) (laughs) He's like, ghosts, you know who's a ghost? 
my mom, you know what she did? She left me to the wolves. It's like the dialogue of every man. Oh, but how does this relate back to my mother? This is actually about my mom. Oh, no. And Jason brings up that there's a memory that's been plaguing his nightmare since the House of Hades, specifically the memory of his mother leaving him and telling him, like, she'll come back for him, which is, like, his earliest memory. So and she never does. And he's, he, this th- this comes, this thought passes his mind, and he's like, you know, no way. Like, my mom's ghost would not be here, too. This is suitors only. And together, the three of them head toward the crowd of ghosts. So clearly his mom is gonna show up. Yeah. <laughs> My mom wouldn't be at this rager. And his mom's just vibing in the corner. His mom's like, I actually love ragers. <laughs> More than I love my children. <laughs> oh no. So chapter two, basically the suitors are having a ghost frat party with ghouls as well as other newer recruits. So like people who died more recently are there. Jason notes people in more modern clothing. So it's a rager, but it's a little witchy because they're sacrificing things to Mother Earth, like statues and stuff. Annabeth points out that one of points out one of the ghosts, the most rowdy of them, who is called Antonus, who was the suitors, the leader of the suitors. And the one that Odysseus shot through the neck with an arrow. They decide to stick with their plan and split up and infiltrate the masses. Soon, Jason is... They they recognize him as Iros, which is just... Everyone thinks he's this ghost of an old beggar and named Iros. And Antinous invites him to join the party. Jason asks him what they're planning... They reveal that they're siding with Gaia for the spoils of war, for they hope that she will divide up the mortal world and give it to them. Like, it's what all of them, all everyone working with Gaia seems to think that they're gonna get a piece of the world. And I'm like, the world, there's not enough for all of us. Also, her whole plan is just to go kaboom, right? So like, yeah. what part of the world do you want? That patch of dirt or this patch of dirt? Right? Yeah, she's lying to them. Mm. Or maybe she's telling them exactly what, like, she's saying, and they're just like, that sounds nice. They're like, I want the patch of dirt that was London. Yeah. Thank you. But then Jason hears a familiar name mentioned, Michael Varys. So throwback to Son of Neptune. He was one of the kids who led the journey up to Alaska in the 1980s and died there. You know how, like, at the end of Sun and Neptune, there were all those ghosts that came back in Alaska, and some of them were, like, ghosts of past Roman heroes that were on quests. So that's what it's a nice throwback to. Mm-hmm. And he was the one, Michael Varis was the team that lost their um, their standard eagle, which was a big deal in Son of Neptune. Pales in comparison to their problems now. <laughs> I know. They're like, we lost the eagle. And now they're like, Mother Earth is trying to rise and murder us all, but okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry you lost your little stick. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to the Romans. Okay. So Michael Varus has come back and joined Gaia's army. Eurymachus, who is one of the other suitors there, mentions that Porphyrion is in Athens, which leads Jason to have a light bulb moment. They had been under the impression that Gaia's quote about pulling up the gods at their roots meant the original Mount Olympus, but Jason realizes it must actually be the Acropolis in Athens, where the most ancient temples to the gods exist. So that's where, like, a lot of the gods will have most of their power, because it's where people come to still um, 
think about the gods, and I don't know if people still pray to them. Hmm. I don't know. I, but but it's where, like, because even in PJO, like, the idea that the gods are the most powerful when they're being remembered. So that makes more sense. So, and the suitors confirm this theory, so Jason has the intel he came for. Athens is their goal now, not um, the original Mount Olympus. Jason knows that they need to leave now before they get caught, but as he starts to leave, Michael Varys calls for him to wait. Michael's father was Janus, which is the god of, of, of choices and many faces, so he can see through Jason's disguise. He calls him by his name, Jason Grace, and he also knows that someone is here to see him. Of course, it's Jason's worst fear, his mother. <laughs> as a ghost. Chapter 3. Jason's disguise is stripped away when he sees his mom. So Jason's mom, we'll recap on her. Her name is Beryl Grace, and she was a TV star, and she died in a drinking accident and was presumably an alcoholic, as we learned from Talia. And she also abandoned Jason to wolves. And from, <laughs> yeah, just... And think about it. You're like, there was like a probably a nice... Well, not nice, but like an orphanage or social services or something. And she was like, the wolves. <laughs> Yeah, and Talia also ran away from her. So, like, there's there's a lot of trauma going on there in, um, in that relationship with her with her children. So naturally, Jason has some complicated feelings about his mother. Piper calls to Jason and tells him to look at her. She can sense some kind of charm speak in Jason's mom's voice that something is happening. There's some kind of magic. Um, so Jason turns to his mom and accuses her of leaving him and never coming back like she promised, but she claims she has come back now. <laughs> I love when ghosts do that. We can still be together. Yeah. I'm acting like I personally know ghosts. This is in TV shows. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, I love when ghosts, you know, it happens like all the time. They just yeah, come up to me. Yeah, Friday. <laughs> yeah, they just knock on my door. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I said I'd never leave. Here I am. Here I am. We can be together now. What's stopping us? <laughs> Jason's world feels turned upside down. He has built his whole vibe around the knowledge that people will always leave and disappoint him, to which I was oh like, wow, Jason. Oof. And now his mother has come back, but not while she's living. The ghost taunts him about having no true home, even though, like, I was like, didn't he just choose Camp Half-Blood and it's his true home? But okay, we're going to have to rehash that a little bit. Mm. His mom tells him to give up his quest, and he asks her what she wants, what really brought her here as a ghost. She replies that she wants life, youth, and beauty, and doesn't even mention Jason. He calls her a mania, which is a spirit of insanity, all that's left of her, the only remnant. Which I was like, mood, same. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that he's no ch child of hers and sides with his chosen family, and then enemies close in on him. Chapter 4. Jason actually doesn't get knocked out immediately in this fight. Like, woo! Round of applause for Jason! <laughs> Instead, he gets stabbed, though, so that's not something to applaud for. <gasps> By Michael Varis, of all people, who says, as he stabs him, this is a great line, he says, born a Roman, die a Roman, and then, which is a really cool, really stabbing. cool, yeah, yeah, yes, the sound of stabbing. <laughs> 
It's such a cool murder line. Mm-hmm. Annabeth and Piper rush to aid Jason and feed him Ambrosia. At this point, they've like defeated a lot of the, the ghouls and such, and they're not really being actively attacked. During which Annabeth says she's sorry about his mom and brings up an old friend of hers, Luke, to which I was like, ugh, Annabeth. Friend. friend? Do you have mm-hmm. to call him a friend? Who had a similar situation with his mom. So it's like the crazy mom club. They note that Jason has been hit with Imperial Gold, which can be deadly to demigods, but Piper swears he'll be alright and they just need to get back to the ship. There's this bit that I thought was actually pretty cute, pretty cute of Jason and Piper for once, where um, Jason is noticing that Annabeth seems a lot more worried and is focusing on the wound from the Imperial Gold, whereas Piper is very determined and he notes like it's because she can't be worried, like she can't let herself worry because... She cares so much about Jason. She's so determined about, like, it'll be okay. We'll get you back to the ship. You'll be fine. And I was like, oh, that's so kind of cute that Jason intuits all of that just while he's, like, (laughs) semi-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. They signal to Leo using Morse code to get some help, and Annabeth then weaves a stretcher for Jason to carry him, and they're like, how did you learn to do that? And she's like, just a trick I picked up when I fought Arachne, no big deal. And this sparks, though, a thought for Jason. It makes him think of Penelope weaving in the same place in Ithaca um, while waiting for her husband to take forever to come home. And then he recalls the fact that their marriage bed is still in Ithaca, and in the Odyssey, their marriage bed was, like, a big deal because it was, like made out of a tree a tree so it would like never be moved and it was very important and so then jason's like juno would love that juno does love that so if there's any place that we'll be able to contact her it's here so desperately he calls for juno slash hera who to their surprise actually appears she says she actually can't help jason because he must quote endure the pain himself (laughs) okay (laughs) Oh, the gods. But she's at least able to advise them. She tells them to sail around the Peloponnese and seek out the victory goddess in Olympia, which is Nike. If they can subdue her, the rift between Greek and Roman can be healed. She mentions that few gods will be able to help them on their journey, but she's not the only one that's out of favor with Jupiter and is like doing things on earth right now um apollo and artemis are also not on mount olympus instead on the island of delos then the goddess disappears and jason passes out from pain and there's a lot of questions left unanswered so my notes for this um oh i noticed there's like a little trials of apollo drop here because antonis mentions that they don't need to worry about the demigods getting help from delphi which is where the oracle is because um delphi is no longer in apollo's control and i was like hmm was rick planning trials of apollo he clearly was who's already on to the next series in his head <laughs> i have no idea what that means but i yeah, i mean I'm assuming that apollo become because he becomes like mortal right for like a day or whatever yeah, yeah i sure. really have no context yeah. for trials of apollo just a day <laughs> <laughs> Learns um, how to be a kind human until his yeah. curse is broken. Yeah, I think each time there's anything that like seems like it's about Apollo, you should just make a prediction. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, my other note is I was like, these are actually J- decent Jason chapters. He gets a lot more character background here than he did in the last four books. Honestly, and they could have easily. I mean, they they could have easily put that in earlier too especially even in lost the lost hero just trying to like 
establish a bit of his background instead of like the wolf house, the wolf house. Oh my God, my mom. And that was like it. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's a lot more with, with him and his narration telling us like, I built my entire worldview around the fact that my mom left me, that people will always leave me. And now I'm being faced with her coming back. But like, I don't actually want her to come back because this isn't her. And also his mom was never a good person in his life. So he wants his friends and that's a lot. And it's hard too, because we did see Jason in the last book, but all the Jason chapters were much more focused. I mean, the first one was was the Nico is gay chapter mm-hmm. or bit. So like that was more about Nico. And the next one was the Jason randomly deciding Greek again chapter, which I felt like this just gives us a lot more of Jason's background. And I like it. It also explains why he's such a tryhard. Yeah. Because he's, like, afraid everyone's going to leave him. He's going to try his best to be a good leader and be the perfect golden boy, even though he's secretly super unhappy and unfulfilled. Wow, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, it makes him more likable and more, like, understanding and understandable of being So the way to make a character likable is to give them... Trauma. um, Trauma, yeah. Yeah. Give them mommy issues and they <laughs> will become relatable. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I actually thought these chapters were a good start and we have a more clear, we have a clear destination now. We're ready to go. We got some trauma on Jason. <laughs> we're ready for the next part. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so I have Raina chapters five through eight. So chapter five is our introduction to the first Reina POV ever. And it starts, of course, with her being a total badass. She is dive bombing a volcano from shadow traveling, which is just like, what a sentence. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I know. But actually, it's an accident. Nico has stopped their traveling midair and has run on strength. So now they're about to fall into Mount Vesuvius in southern Italy. Nico can't save them, but Reina is like, apparently like more powerful than we even imagined and knows how to lend Nico her strength. So she, so then he can teleport them out of the air and onto the ground near the mountain instead of, you know, into it. Reina realizes that they are in Pompeii and she kind of falls to her knees. By lending her strength to Nico, she saw a bit of how painful and anguished his soul is. And she's like, if that's just a, like a taste of what he's feeling at all times, how does Nico tolerate being in that much pain all the time? She's, her mind is blown by it. Reina tells Nico as she helps him recover that one of her mom's powers is to allow her to impart her strength onto others. She can only do it in life and death situations. This also comes like, I ignored it a little bit, but uh, Coach Hedge is really annoying in this. He's like, oh, really? Can you give me more muscles? Why are you holding out on me, man? I kind of forgot he was here. (laughs) (laughs) He's there and he's really, uh, continues to be my least favorite character. I feel like my hate for him is a little bit more valid. Like, 
the Bianca hate was completely kind of out of pocket. Like, I shouldn't have been as mean to her as I was. She was a child. <laughs> Coach Hedge, on the other hand, I feel it's like I am validated. Yeah. But he's like, why don't you give me some? Like, he can see Raina's like, <laughs> on her knees, like, you know, exhausted. He's like, give me bigger muscles, woman. She's like, oh, God, die. Anyway. <clears throat> she explains to him that she can only do it in life or death situations. And it actually works better in large groups. It allows her to be a great commander, which Nico kind of points out. He's like, wow, what a great power for a crater. And Raina kind of discloses to us that she hates it. Because Ooh. it makes people think that like she doesn't tell anyone that she has these powers because she doesn't want them to feel like she's controlling them, which is not what it is. She just gives them the strength to fight and to communicate better. And we also learned that Rena last used her power to try and help her Pegasus and therefore had felt him being slowly killed from the poison and oh. <laughs> and like leading her to having to put him down because she realizes how much pain she, he is in. And she's feeling that up till his death as well. And Why she's is like, that like about gonna make me cry here? Jesus Christ, Raina. It's like two sentences and she's like, I'm not gonna think about it. And then moves on, which I was like, relatable queen. It's like how in the last book at the, at the beginning of like the one of the last Percy chapters, Percy's like, Raina's here now. She had to murder her horse. She seems <laughs> yeah. kind of sad. <laughs> anyway, like, oh my God. Um, something that's, also, equally as alarming is Reyna then implies the pain that she felt from sharing her power with Nico was actually sharper than what she had felt from the poison from the Pegasus, which I was like, yikes, my boy. Nico's depression is worse than literal Being poison. Yeah. Oh my god. Nico's annoyed they are stuck in Pompeii because it's filled with unfriendly ghosts. A lot of people died in the middle of doing something else. Nico has sent them a message to stay away, but once he falls asleep, it won't be very effective. He needs to rest, too, so obviously he's going to fall asleep in order to shadow travel them out of there. Reyna thinks back to their first shadow travel experience. It's like, like a random sentence in there. Something about Albania and how it was the most humiliating experience of her life. She decides <laughs> to never think about it or talk about it again. And then we move on. And I'm like, okay. what happened in Albania? <laughs> Reyna instead turns her attention to Nico, who has passed out and now looks like an angelic actual 14-year-old. She thinks about how even though she found out he was harboring all those secrets and lies from her when he showed up claiming to be the child of Pluto, her trust for him has actually increased. She respects all the reasons he kept secrets. It was to prevent war, and even though it hurt him to do so, and it was the fact that he was even able to keep all those secrets so well— he was captured, imprisoned, and now has even accepted another impossible quest. Raina, at that moment, has a really hard time not adopting him right then and there. She literally <laughs> looks at him and was like, he could be my little brother. I could have him forever. And she's like, wait, I need to slow down. I have too many things going on right now. Wait, get in line, Raina. There's a whole <laughs> waiting list for those of us who want to adopt Nico, okay? I know. And, um... She's thinking about all of this, and Coach Hedge offers to take first watch. And Reyna, after putting some protective spells and having her dogs kind of watch around them, decides to sleep. And you know I forgot her dogs were there. She's got her two dogs with their oh, ruby eyes. That's so good because I'm sad about her. I'm sad about <laughs> okay. her horse. I'm glad she has her dogs. Well, you know what sleeping means. Chapter six, it's dream time, Liddy. 
Raina's like me and can control her dreams, so it's not crazy, thank you. But this time, <laughs> it's a bit too intense and she can't calm it down. The dream starts with her in a garden on a beautiful day in Camp Jupiter. She's like a contrast to Jason because every time she thinks about, and like very similar to Percy, where she thinks of camp as her safe space. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jason thinks back to camp and is immediately like, I have to go to my job. I don't want to go there. <laughs> She's like, this is like the best place. This is my home. These are my people. It's the place she feels the happiest. Unfortunately, in her dream, the sky in Camp Jupiter starts darken and a tidal wave of destruction hits all the hills and comes for camp destroying everything Raina loves naturally you know when a scary dream comes like this Gaia has to be there so her voice echoes through her dream accusing Raina of abandoning her people and that her hunter is coming for them a huge figure of a man then walks towards her and shoots an arrow into her stomach the worst place to get shot suddenly the dream changes and she's in Long Island with the 12th legion Raina is proud of her team and she loves them. She's like, as soon as she sees them, she feels joy and pride, but she's also furious that they're this close to Camp Half-Blood. She explicitly gave orders for them not to go here, but Octavian has betrayed her command. She sees that Octavian has an audience with Bryce Lawrence, and he's sitting at an altar that he's constructed himself. Who's Bryce Lawrence? So that's what we learn. She said, oh, with Bryce Lawrence, as if we're supposed to know who that is. And then she explains after the fact who he is. So apparently Bryce has been kicked out of the Legion because he's the son of Orcus, who's the god of punishment. And he's apparently completely remorseless and untrainable. He's like actually a true sociopath to a point where Bryce was even the cause of like people dying because uh, during war games, not even in war, during war games, because he sabotages his own like troops. Nice. But but Raina had never been able to fully prove that was him. She just kind of knows. And because apparently Bryce is rich and has really good family connections, he got away with it. So he Mm. wasn't put to death. He was just kicked out of the legion mm, we all know a bryce we all know a bryce and bryce is a good name for it no offense yeah. to all the bryces who are actually nice sorry sorry to the good bryces of the I world know. octavian reinstates him into the legion because psycho recognizes psycho and octavian <laughs> after he leaves tells uh his who i've forgotten to write down the name of his buddy that he wants <laughs> Loyal demigods that owe their protection to him, and most of them just happen to be criminals, murderers, thieves, etc. Um, he also believes he does believe that Gaia is stirring, but he thinks he can stop Gaia stirring and the gods from having their personalities being split if he just eliminates all of the Greeks and completely just commits genocide. Oh. He's like that they don't have a personality to be split about because nobody in Greek is left to worship the gods and their side can disappear. And then Gaia can't stir because the gods will be fully Roman. It is a solution. It's not the best solution, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You could argue that it follows some kind of logic. Yeah. Is it psychotic logic? Yes. Yes. But it's still logic. We also learn that Octavian has not been able to have visions or prophecy in a while which he's like, Apollo's not been giving me his gift, which, you know, goes in line with Apollo not having control over Delphi anymore. Mm-hmm. Which I'm guessing that basically in Trials of Apollo, Apollo and Delphi were dating and she breaks up with him. <gasps> and he has to like, 
But why does he become human? I think he becomes human because Delphi's like, you never really put the work in to love me. And he's like, <laughs> what if I complete these trials? Uh, and um, if I do it well, I can win your love back. Mm, okay. He fully will do it and then cheat on her immediately. But like, mm. he's going to do it. So Okay. Okay. That's my prediction. Okay, going back to it. So Octavian's not been able to have any of his visions, which is one of his motivations to attacking the Greeks because he wants to capture Ella and get all of uh, her information so that they can then be the most powerful society and have all of their words of their ancestors, etc., etc. Reyna is then woken up by Hedge saying that they have tourists incoming. So chapter 7, the tourists enter the city in hordes. They walk past the Athena Parthenos without any concern thanks to the mist. The ghosts are hovering around, keeping their distance for now, thanks to the statue, the daytime, but as soon as night falls, they're going to be a problem. Coach Hedge cooks them food, and they watch Nico sleep deeply. No matter what they do, they can't wake him when he's sleeping this deep. Hedge is writing a letter to his wife. He wants there to be... Okay. He wants there to be a record of... Him wanting to be involved with their kids. So if anything happens to him, at least his wife has this tangible evidence that she can show the kid as it grows up. That he really wanted to be there but just couldn't. Raina promises him that he will get to see his child. But then they worry about Nico's ability to get them all where they need to go. Raina's like, we'll get to see your child, but I'm worried about my child, Nico. (laughs) Let's talk about children for a second. So Nico. Nico, yeah. Raina goes to the bathroom and walks by the gift shop, seeing statues of people in the middle of their death, all preserved by the volcano's ash. This we go in a little, like, we get a lot of information about Pompeii, and my brain was like, we all know about Pompeii. We all took sixth grade, you know, <laughs> social studies. But um, I also realized I probably had, like, a bit more of a, I took a lot of, like, Roman and Greek classes, so I watched a bunch mm. of really great documentaries on Pompeii. BBC has some really good ones, if you're ever curious. Mm. Um, but for those who don't know, Pompeii is a city um, in southern Italy that is famous because it's one of the most preserved architectural um, cities that we have of ancient Rome because basically a volcano erupted, Mount Vesuvius erupted, and basically preserved the entire city in ash, killed everybody immediately. Everyone definitely thought it was the wrath of the gods. It was really used for propaganda after the fact. But um, in recent century, they've basically been able to dig up and find fully preserved people in like a little like dirt coverings, I guess, because they're little, they, 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 they're mostly bones, but they've got little dirt cases. Like fossils, kind of. Fossils, yeah. And a lot of pottery and other things that were not destroyed because they were just like covered in ash and then stayed under the ground and did not stand the test of time they're always like preserved in like funny positions (laughs) like what they were doing the moment they died and it's always just kind of funny to see the ones where it's like oh they're just like washing their hands i don't actually think the romans really washed their hands but like doing something boring they're just like sitting there (laughs) They're sitting there. And um, if you want, like, I think the most accurate historical recount is a book. Um, it's called The Magic Treehouse, number five. <laughs> oh, um, what's it called? What's it called? Oh, God. It, it was it something rhymes. in Pompeii. Yeah. Something in Pompeii. Magic Treehouse. Spoiler alert. The kids are saved by Hercules. So, you know. 
Pompeii. Oh, vacation under the volcano. Oh, yes. So vacation. Number 13. 13. Wow. They don't find out about Morgan for a long time. I've read all of those. I've read like a hundred of those. Okay. I read like half of them. I really dropped off. I I got too into Animorphs instead. Ah, this was what I I was like. And then my life went downhill, you know? (laughs) That's historic content. Yeah, you were learning things. I know. Yeah. So I think that's the best place to get a lot of really great history. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I I can, I agree. Yeah. So when you write your papers for school, you can cite not only this podcast, but also (laughs) Magic Treehouse number 13. (laughs) You'll be like, I actually learned this from from Monica and Aaron. They'll be like, who is that? Anyway, um, so Reyna is telling us all about Pompeii and like how horrifying it is. And honestly, she tells us that she's always dreamed of coming to Italy, but everything has been unbelievably horrible, including the death of her Pegasus and being attacked and just having a bad time. And now she's ended up in the one place of all of Italy she didn't want to visit, which is Pompeii. <laughs> Because it's just too grotesque for her liking. It's too, like, close to home, especially since the dreams she's just had of everything burning. But here she is, you know, building some trauma, building some character. Nico wakes a little bit after sunset and Reyna tells him about her dreams. Nico suggests that they ask the hunters of Artemis for advice on who the hunter Gaia mentioned may be. They decide to talk about it more after they jump. They're like, this is not the time to have this discussion. It's getting close to nightfall. The ghosts are closing in. Suddenly the ghosts all disappear and a voice pours out of Hedge. He says that Reyna will die a Roman and join the ghosts of Pompeii, which is like stealing the line, I think, from Michael whatever... That Michael Varus, yeah, who was like born a Roman, die a Roman. Guy, I was like, you're gonna. Luckily, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, luckily you're also going to die a Roman. Good for you. And it's like not as good as Michael's, but you know. No. Um, Gaia heard Michael say that and was like, like I'm writing it down. We are (laughs) reusing that one. We're going to work on it. We're going to tweak it a little. And it did not turn out as well. Yeah. Coach keeps like spouting negative commentary through the voice of Gaia as Reyna's trying (laughs) to get everyone together. So she just knocks him out. She's like, this is really irritating me. She asks Nico to summon Roman soldiers for her to control, confident she'll be able to control them and they won't just join the mob of ghosts that have appeared. And then Nico can concentrate on shadow jumping. Nico summons the soldiers, but then the scepter begins smoking, not liking being summoned to fight other Romans, which is crazy because Roman soldiers fought each other all the time. Okay. <laughs> the scepter then explodes in Nico's hands, and Reyna fights side by side with the dead soldiers. The Athena Parthenos just seemingly watching and mocking her. She keeps going and looking at the statue and praying for help, which is something that I think every single person in the in the seven have done at one point just being like are you going to do anything and the god is like no except percy looks at that statue and is like please don't hurt me for dating (laughs) your daughter yeah (laughs) they're all playing praying about the quest and percy's just like please don't hurt me When the last of her soldiers fall, she thinks all is lost. Nico tells her he's actually harnessed. So he harnesses himself to the statue and then grabs all of them in order to transport it. Nico tells her he's harnessed and ready. So the last of her strength, Reyna jumps towards him. So my notes. Um, I only really have one main note. Um, and I think it's a bit of a controversial one. I know that we joke 
all the time that Nico is Percy's goth son. But I don't think he truly has the same protective nature that we want him to have. Mm. He kind of treats him more of like a bro. I think that's because Percy sees him more powerful. He saw the, this raw strength that Nico has and watched it develop. Yeah. And also... Nico and Nico's always like put on this front of hating Percy. So Percy's like kept his distance. And also Percy has other things to think about. I don't think Nico's in the forefront of his mind. No. Whereas Reyna and Jason immediately are like, this is my child. Yeah. Move aside. Percy and Annabeth are no longer mom and dad. No, it's It's Reyna and, and Jason. And they're divorced mom and dad, but they were they co-parent well. They co-parent so well. It's the they do modern a great job. thing. Yeah. The modern yeah. family. This is the new modern family. <laughs> I agree. I feel like Percy's like a little afraid of Nico. Even if he feels some some protectiveness, I think he has never really trusted Nico. Even no. though he trusted Nico to like get the in the last book, the above ground people to the House of Hades. He trusted Nico to do the quest, but he's never trusted Nico on like a personal level, like a friendship level. And I think we saw it a little bit more in PJO that they maybe were building some kind of relationship because Percy mm. was like, come inside, have birthday cake with me. And clearly Nico had been sitting at Sally's table for a couple of weeks as they were trying to figure out, you know, the curse of Achilles. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Achilles curse. Wait, which one was it? I always... Is yeah. It one of the... Again. Curse of Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. With the curse of the Titan all over again. And <laughs> the Titan's curse. Oh, God. <laughs> um, anyway, but I thought, like, Raina, on the other hand, sees him as younger. She's like, he's only 14. Or Percy used to be like, oh, he's a young kid. But even when she's talking to Nico and saying, thank you for getting everyone to the quest, he's like, bro, like, why are you being like this, my man? Yeah. Like, it's less like oh, my child, you clearly have some anguish. Can we discuss it? Which is yeah. also like Percy just went through Tartarus. So like, it's a lot yeah, Percy's got but, his own anguish. Yeah, but also I think because Nico might be a little bit, he seems to be a lot more comfortable with Reyna because he really respects her. Yeah. And Jason, he was forced to be comfortable with because he was forcibly mm-hmm. outed, but mm-hmm. um, in front of him. So he has this like secret that they share. But Percy's never been able to be comfortable because he's always trying to push Percy away. So Percy's always been like, well, if you don't want to hang out, then why would I give a shit? Yeah. Yeah. And Percy's always not not fully trusted him, especially yeah. like in the third book when Nico freaks out at Percy. I think Percy also doesn't think Nico has fully forgiven him about Bianca. I think Percy still feels responsible for that. Yeah. And doesn't really want Nico to fully forgive him, but he also doesn't trust Nico because Nico double-crossed him at, uh, in the Son of Neptune at Camp Jupiter. So yeah. I, I get it. Also, this Percy's a bit angrier than PJO. Yes. And PJO is a little bit more understanding. And mm-hmm. so he's like, oh, come. He's like, the, the thing that like really stands out is the end of Battle of the Labyrinth where he's like, I don't think this kid has ever even had a birthday cake before. Yeah. So come in and have some cake. And I was like, that was like very gentle and kind but we don't really see that very much in this one his focus is all on Annabeth and like mm-hmm. preserving that relationship which is cool but it it makes it hard I think it's also because we don't have as much of his POV so we don't get like a lot of his being thinking about being kind to others he's focused on Annabeth in the like two or three chapters we do get yeah 
And from what we know about Nico, too, once Nico presumably started having feelings for Percy, he pulled away from Percy more. Like, we yeah. know that Nico is has been isolating, especially over the last, like, year or so. So it would make sense that, that Percy... Percy is just kind of like, I don't know what's going on with him, and also had his memory erased for, like, half the year. So I so Percy is step aside, Percy. Mm. Raina is the new mommy. Raina is the new mommy. Because Percy was mommy before Annabeth yeah. was daddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, those are all my notes. I don't really have a lot to say because I really love the chapters. I really love the characterization of Raina. Um, I am gonna lay off trying to wipe her up. Okay. I respect For that. For now, we'll see yeah. what happens. <clears throat> She's too busy being a mom, you know? You're right. Yeah. 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 Love that for her. Okay. Let's do some lightning bolt round questions. My first one. <laughs> so I, I just loved Michael Barris's stabbing line. And I was like, what would be your cool murder stabbing line or catchphrase? <laughs> I would say some really, like, stupid riddle. Mmm. That's good. So that way they're, like, dying and they're like, I can't even figure the riddle out. And then they die. That's a good one. Or knock-knock joke. <gasps> but don't finish it. Don't finish it. Just they say, them who's them. there? And you stab like, them. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, bitch. It's me. <laughs> so I asked Mike this question. Because I feel like he always has better ideas than me. Because my first response was to use a sword pun. Mm. To say, like, you're sort of annoying. And then stab oh. them. And I hoped that they would stab me for that. <laughs> so I asked Mike. And no he, no second thought. His first response was, sayonara, Sammy. <laughs> oh, Sammy? It's like in, in um, a new girl. Remember when Nick says that? He comes up with a goodbye line to say to oh, yeah. Megan Fox's character and it's Sayonara Sammy. <laughs> but then uh, that inspired me to change mine to see a later alligator. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right? Like they say in a wild crocodile and you have to say. Then you twist soon. the knife. Oh. <laughs> as, you, as they're saying that, yeah. You're like, you stop twist being the knife. able to talk. <laughs> Die! And you say I, it, like, really darkly. I, the one I know until it's not too soon, Big Baboon. And there's what? a couple of others. And you say, I know, I didn't alligator. know that. After a while, crocodile. That's not where I always soon. stopped. <laughs> I never Big went baboon. farther. Well, that's good. Well, you just and keep going back and forth forever. <laughs> and you're just twisting the knife, like, please. I like the, the idea of, like, really dark, evil music playing. And you're like, after a while, crocodile. And then they're like, see you later, alligator. <laughs> it's just so good. Just keep going. I, I'm sure there's a list. Let's see. See you later, alligator. Say. Ready? <clears throat> see you soon, raccoon. Ooh, I like in a shake, garter snake. Hit the road, happy toad. That's, oh, that's cute. cute. What is adios, hippos? That doesn't work. Hasta mañana, iguana. <laughs> Get in line, porcupine. Out the door, dinosaur. On the bus, octopus. That one was not great. Not their it's best. not great. That's not great. I think the hit the road, happy toad's my favorite. That one is really cute. Yeah. Give me a hug, ladybug. 
Can you imagine you say that when you kill someone? (laughs) I thought they were leaving. Why are you giving them a hug? Let them go. To your house, quite nice. (laughs) Anyways, the next question. (laughs) Now that we've... There are some good... My favorite murder line, though. (laughs) My favorite murder line is... um, I love in, in Game of Thrones... The Red Wedding, where it's like, the Lannisters send their regards. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, mother. <laughs> I love it. Thank love you for that reenactment. You're, you're really welcome. I, I say that one a lot. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Charlie on Instagram asked this question. Which two demigods, pick any two, would you choose to transport the giant Athena statue with you across oh. across the ocean? 100% Reyna and Nico. They've oh, you're going to go with... Yeah. Like, not only are they... They'd they be kind of cool to talk to, and I just like, get yeah. so much street cred just by being near them. Also, like, clearly the other guys don't really know what's going on. Like, Percy would be fun because he's powerful, but he doesn't, like, I doubt if you put a map in front of him, he would have no idea where he's going. Yeah. That's a good point. See, I feel like I, I'm thinking, like, practically, I don't know that shadow traveling would be for me. Mm-hmm. Like, a Frank, queen. like, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm like, Frank could fly, or Leo could invent a flying machine for us. I like having Raina there. I think Raina and Jason would be funny because it would be like going on a trip with your divorced parents or something. <laughs> I think that would be a funny time. <laughs> Not Hedge. <laughs> That's my But yeah, I think that Raina and Nico are like the the ultimate pairing. And if it had to be two other ones, I'd probably throw Frank in there because he can be a dragon. Maybe, like, Leo, so he could, like, fix the Athena statue up to the dragon, and then I can just sit there. Yeah, most of this chapter was Nico struggling with the harness, so that would have been helpful. (laughs) Leo would have been a little helpful there. Yeah. Just, like, creating something that's, like, an automatic harness strap. Like, you just press a button, and it just harnesses Mm. you to the Athena statue, instead of, like, I'm guessing putting his, like, untangling it and putting it on his body and wrapping it around it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, my question is, where in Italy do you most want to visit? Be specific. So I saw this on the outline and I was like, I don't know I, like where I want to visit. So I Googled places in Italy and I found a new favorite. There's a volcano called Stromboli. Didn't they go there? I don't know. In, um, Mark, no, in, what was the last one? House of Hades, like. They're near Stromboli or something at some point with the little. They must have been near man. it. I don't know. No, the no, the dwarf men were in Split. Split. Oh, right. In Croatia. Okay. No, the Stromboli volcano exploded this year, and you can go <gasps> see it like running. And it's called oh, Stromboli. It's That's called such Stromboli. a fun name. So now I found a new place to, because I have heard that. Italians don't like Americans. Which is fair. Yeah, it's fair, but also, like, y'all have fascism, too. You're not better. You're not that much better. You just have better food, okay? But the... uh, True. Depends on where you go. Depends on where you go. I think compared to, like, Wisconsin, yes. Mm. (laughs) Sorry, Wisconsin. But 
the tourist places, they probably wouldn't hate me as much because it's mostly tourists there anyway. But I've heard if you try to go to the like non-tourist places, which are more pretty and less crowded, the Italians are kind of mean. Italian listeners, will you be nice to us if we go can we, can to we come visit? Can we come visit? Can we stay? What with tips you? Do you have? <laughs> yeah. I won't. I don't wear American flag stuff. So like, mm-hmm. but I just think the way I speak screams American. Your accent. I'll work on your. I'll work accent. on my British accent. Are the British better though? They sound cool. Depends on where. <laughs> That's true. You know, I was going to say. Um, Florence, because I've never been, and that would be really cool. Mm, Just like mm-hmm. a lot of really awesome architecture, or even um, what is that called? The one, the port. It's called um, Amalfi. Oh, the Amalfi? Amalfi Coast. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that would be really pretty. Uh, just to see. I had a friend who just went there for her honeymoon, and she Ooh. said they were really mean to Americans. Nice. Yeah, I'll like like comically so. American. Yeah, they were comically. Well, not so. It's like much. a fun time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I just saw a TikTok today of these girls who went to Milan, and I I've been. That would to, be that's really the fun. That's the only place I've been to in Italy, and Milan is so like the Duomo there is so cool. Ugh, like so the cool. coolest building. I felt like I was in Game of Thrones. Ugh. I would love to go. I just like, I I mean, anywhere outside of the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. The architecture is a lot older and it's always really fun to look at. Just like yeah. cities being built for foot traffic rather than driving. And yeah. so I think it's just more, I don't know, it's a lot cooler. So I love architecture, especially older architecture. So that's where I want to go. Just a lot more history and also probably more ghosts. That's kind of cool. A lot of ghosts, yeah. A lot of ghosties. Love that. All right. Well, we've started the Blood of Olympus. So next time we're going to be doing chapters 9 through 16. We got our first ever Nico point of view. Aaron's going to be doing that one. And I'm so I'm excited. excited. Yeah. My baby Nico. Also Piper is also there. I thought Leo there. It is Leo. Oh, you get Leo then. Yeah, I get Leo. If you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is in the episode description, as well as a link to send us an audio message if you would like to hear your voice on here. Our social media is Camp Half Pod on all social. And if you want to email us, our email is camphalfpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Bye-bye.